Welcome to Midnight Menu Plus One. I'm Ray Canada. And I'm Margo Moss. We're here at Ted's Frost Top on Claiborne and Calhoun in Uptown New Orleans. And once a week, Margo and I meet here at Ted's and we invite a member of New Orleans restaurant community to join us. And we invite them to bring along a friend, a plus one. We never knew who the friend is going to be, but we do know who our special guest is today. We're very excited, Margo, right, to have yes. Ryan Pruitt of Herb Saint and also uh, Pashnow here tonight with us. And he'll be joining us in just a moment. But in the meantime, wondering if you have any exciting things to share, food-related from the week. I do from today, but I don't know if it's going to give you hives. Well, and we don't normally... T- yes, because... Wow. You know, I'm so highbrow, but yeah. no, not really. But um, today I uh, was on the West Bank. Yes. And I was in a mall, You're Oakwood mall. mall, trying to find yeah. cheap uh, uniform clothes. Yeah, for I'm my already kid. breaking out now. Okay, keep okay. going. Okay. So I'm walking out of the mall and I see this food court. And, you know, normally I would not stop at a food court. Now, I did not eat there, but there was a hibachi hut in the Oakwood Mall. Uh huh. And they were making Chinese food in a wok. It was not like the kind of Chinese food that sits out all day. they pour out of a bag, right, at most yeah, of these yeah. places? Yeah, this no. was like a full wok set up. And wow. uh, so I'm going to, I know you won't, you can't walk over the bridge. So one day I'm going to bring well, you there as I'm, an experiment I, I and we're going to try it. I the ferry will actually be reliable at some point after all these, all these uh, protests we've had and debates and everything. And people trying to s- save the ferry? Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, then before the, the ferry, ferry comes back, I'm going to bring you to the West Bank. But yeah. I did have a great meal over there and it's another right. sketchy looking place. What's it called? But it's good Thai food. Banana Blossom. Banana Blossom. Well, that yes. sounds great. Banana Blossom. Right. It was very good. Um, cool. And I had their version of barbecue shrimp. And right. it kind of, it was a coconut. It was a little sweeter version of uh, barbecue shrimp. And I love trying barbecue shrimp All at right. different places. So yeah, it, cool. was, it was very good. I enjoyed All it. All right. Ha- did you have any uh, culinary escapades? I, I mean, I ate out every meal, I'm sure, but I... Um, nothing that's, that's, stands But nothing stands I mean, they're all familiar. It wasn't like last week where I tried all the new places. This week, I, I went to Mona's. Uh, not Mona's. I went to... Sorry, not Mona's. Mona's is great, too. But I went to uh, Lebanon today for lunch. It was great. Always great. Always love going there. But, yeah, nothing nothing exciting to report in all terms right. of, like, new. But, well, you know, we, we don't need to waste any more time. Yeah. I'm dying to hear what Ryan has to say. So, welcome. Glad you're here. Yeah, good to be here. Thank all right. you, Ryan. Well, tell us what you do and who you are and all that. All right. So I am chef and part owner of Pesh Restaurant in the Warehouse District. Uh, we are awesome. just over three months old. So we've got, uh, I think this is our 14th week. Uh, so we're brand new, uh, but it's been a really interesting ride so far. Uh, and here's to hoping it lasts. That's a Donald Link place too, right? It is, yes. Donald and Steven from uh, Cochon and Herb Saint uh, are also uh, mm. chefs and owners of it. Right. Um, so we all got together and opened this place together. All right, so real big names in, in, uh, in the food scene in New Orleans. Right. Very you know, famous you know, people involved. And Donald Link's the only one you've ever worked with, right, since you've been in, in New Orleans. In New yeah. Orleans, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's uh, a Donald. I moved here to work for Donald uh, and have been with him ever since, almost eight years now. And where did you move from, and where are you from originally? All right, so from uh, San Francisco. I moved here from San Francisco. Uh, Spent a long period of time there. Uh, Originally, I'm from Memphis, Uh, and so I was born and raised there. Uh, Spent the first 22 years of my life there. Uh, High school, college, graduated, moved to the West Coast. Loved it. 
uh, stayed in San Francisco for a while, um, started cooking professionally out there, uh, got in more involved in the food scene out there, and then eventually sort of got to a point where it was time to come somewhere that, you know, my wife and I could afford to buy a house and maybe like have a yard and a dog and that sort of thing. And, and we landed in New Orleans, uh, and it, it was really just a wonderful move. It's turned out great. Was the culinary uh, influence what brought you to New Orleans and wanting to have a yard and a house? and Or was it just y'all randomly thought about places? Or Well, truthfully, it was my wife wanted to get a... She was going after her master's in art history. And so she... We had three places. We were either going to move to Austin, uh, so she could go to UT Austin, uh, to New York for Columbia, uh, or to here for Tulane. And Tulane gave her this this great deal. Uh, and so we were like, well, let's go to New Orleans and check it out. And so we came down here. I interviewed with Donald. Donald hired me two minutes into our interview, uh, three months huh. out. Wow. Uh, which I don't know why and how he much did experience that. did you have at this point? Uh, not much. I mean, just a few years. What had you done? Uh, I'd worked in, uh, in, in with people that Donald knew in California. Uh-huh. And so we had a sort of connection through California. And, and I, you know, for whatever reason, I think one of, great, one of Donald's great gifts is he's able to sort of read through the lines with people and make snap judgments that are typically correct. Uh-huh. Uh, and so to my benefit, uh, he, uh, he did that. So uh, he hired me on the spot and said, you know, I'll hire you three months later, you know, come back. You got a job. Wife got into graduate school here. So, you know. So what was uh, your starting job with uh, Herb Saint? What did you do first? We, so I, I moved here and immediately went into the, the AM pantry position. The, Morning uh, pantry? The low, the low man on the culinary <laughs> totem pole. <laughs> so um, what's an AM pantry person do? Uh, AM pantry is kind of the entryway into the kitchen. You know, it's the way to get in to get into a professional kitchen to get a, a good feel for the systems in place and and kind of just integrate yourself into the lifestyle of a kitchen you know all all kitchens are different and we had we had people in common so we sort of knew that we had some food philosophies in common uh but every kitchen's different and the way that donald was running herb saint at the time was dramatically different than the last kitchen i had come from huh. uh so in being ways? able like like list some ways Donald's an intense guy, and he ran a very intense kitchen. Huh. Uh, and, and I think that the last chef that I worked for was much more California mellow. <laughs> Donald uh. was much more intense, uh, huh. to the great benefit of my education. Uh, and so being able to start at the bottom and kind of move through the ranks was invaluable. Like, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, to well, be What's able an example of, like, an intensity? Like, give me one story from your early uh, times. He's not going to be insulted. You can, you can think of one, I'm sure. I can think of many. <laughs> uh, well, give us one that won't get you in trouble. All right. So one that sticks <laughs> out in my head, you know, so you, you, when you go into a kitchen like this, like a lot of times, and the way that Donald ran his kitchen was with no recipes, with really he would just tell people to make things uh, and then judge the final product. And you would either go back to zero, adjust it a little bit, uh, you know, or it would be fine. And, and typically there was always some adjustment. Sometimes you, you completely failed. And so... Donald tells me to make a vinaigrette, and he makes it, wants me to make a warm bacon vinaigrette. And so I had made this for my previous chef, and I was like, all right, I got this. No problem. <laughs> I make it. Donald comes by and tastes it, and he, he just, like, stares at it for a second and just goes, 
this is amateur bull and, and it grabs it and throws it in the trash can and i was like oh my god man I wait how long have you been working at this point for him the first day first day and, and, and so i had no I, I, this has never happened to me before this is like a story out of a book that you know this is some stereotype that i was living and, and donald claims he doesn't remember this story but the uh you know, it was a very like pivotal moment. I was, I just I said to myself at that point, I was like, "Oh my god, you know, I've got this guy is serious, you know, I've really got to make sure that everything's on point." And it was a very valuable lesson in retrospect that, you know, that there are things that are acceptable and there are things that are not, and that line is not there's no gray area, there's a black and white. It either is or it isn't. So it inspired so you and it? motivated you to... Uh, what was wrong with the... I mean, it would you... It didn't fit what he wanted. Okay, did he tell you what, like, it needs to be saltier, it needs to be more bacony, it needs yeah, to be warmer, like, it, what... Like it, what? Need, it needs everything. This, this is this is the classic <laughs> Donald Link statement. It's everything, and w- which means that... So then you don't know. You have not put and... enough of anything in it. How many um, times did you have to do it before, or did... Was the, that the, the next lesson time for worked the day? out much better, and, and then it, that was, was it the a same sort of day? lesson. Yes, and that's the sort of lesson you carry through your whole career with with very talented people like Donald. Is that you know you you realize that that he, there's a baseline that he's operating from that that is meant to elevate you as a person. Uh, and, and this experience and many others with him were just invaluable and sort of moving me along in my career. But were you kind of well, on your own to fix it? Like, or, or did he like tell you what to do to fix it? There's advice, okay. but, but a lot of times it's very sort of secondary. I've got more on my mind advice. You know, it needs more acid. It needs more salt. It needs more. It's not emulsified, right? It's not at the right temperature. And, and these happen right. in sort of stages. Now, how long after that was it until you got promoted? Pretty quickly, uh, truthfully, because I, I moved here four weeks before Katrina. And so we, we went through that whole period uh, I had moved out of that station into another station in the, the morning kitchen. Uh, and then Katrina happened and sort of everything fell apart for a couple of month or two. Uh, and then Herb St. reopened. And so, you know, I had come down here to work for Donald. And, you know, we were living back in Memphis and that's not where I wanted to be. And so I, I immediately came back to work for Donald when he reopened Herb St. And, and that whole period was just so chaotic. Uh, there was so much bonding and an emotion that happened during that period uh that it really allowed me to really focus 100 percent on the restaurant uh and my wife had gotten she memphis state or university of memphis now uh, was accepting tulane students uh so they could continue their programs and so she was uh in memphis for a semester i was here alone so the only thing i did was work uh and it all worked out great well that I want to get back to Pesh, but I have a question that's kind of related to this mm-hmm. and what. So, Donald, his influence, you bonded at this point. So you're obviously culinary experience with him. You've learned a lot. Now right. this was more of an emotional time, and I want to know what you have learned working with him on a personal level, mm-hmm. and then on a business level that brings you today to today i mean we Mm. you know or or and you can share another culinary but some those two aspects that you've learned that you could say directly links to spending eight years with him yeah i mean that's that that's a very i mean it's a complicated and long question i mean you learn you know i think working in kitchens you're very intimately connected to everyone you're working with and at that point in both my and, and his career, 
you know, Donald was in the kitchen full time all the time. And especially in the post Katrina months where, you know, he was, you know, 100% dedicated to getting Herb Saint back to what it was prior to the storm, which was, you know, the flagship, his baby, what he had poured all of his sort of life into. And so to be a part of that sort of, uh, you know, roller coaster of emotion and that power was just very moving and very uh, motivating uh, for me. Following that period, you know, what Donald has been very good in teaching, I think everyone who's receptive to it that works for him uh, is that, you know, this is a very serious business. We are here to provide uh, food that is better than than as best we can possibly do. And, And that goes to the sourcing of it, the preparation of it, every bit and piece that that is involved in it and aside from all of the intricacies that go into the creation of this food uh, we're also running businesses and businesses mean that you are when you're in charge of a business you're in charge of the livelihoods of a lot of people you know at patch we employ over 50 people all of those people are is that more or less than herb saint it's about the same okay between 40 and 50 is where all of the restaurants kind of hover uh, and it varies, but but typically that's that's a good number to kind of base it off of. But you you are like when you're in charge of the restaurant, you're in charge of all these people's livelihoods, and that's a very that that's to be taken very seriously. And and when you make decisions, you don't make them capriciously. You make them with thought, uh, and you make them with the best interest of the restaurant in mind. Uh, and, and Donald is both a, a great cook and a, a very uh, astute business person uh and so he was a great guy to learn from from both of those aspects so now he's got how many restaurants now uh let's see we've got what five in new orleans five yeah right. so he can't be where you are all day every day he's right he's going around to the different ones and, and you're you've been head of the you were head of the kitchen basically at herb saint right the day-to-day stuff it was basically you right for several years now right i spent a couple of years in that position at herb saint uh which was great uh invaluable um donald is very uh much more hands-on at herb saint than i think that he's able to be hands-on at other restaurants that was kind of like the flagship one i guess right yes. and, and it's his, his first one too yeah. yeah um and so yes that was a great educational experience you know to, to have my first chef job underneath him at that yeah. restaurant uh was very educational uh, every step of the way so now you're pretty much running the the, the, the show though at uh, Pesh, right? I mean, right? Yeah, that's yeah. your that's your thing for the most yeah, part, and, right? Yeah, and it's it's important to realize that, that running the show is is a, is a difficult phrase to use because there's there's input from a tremendous amount of people from Donald, from Stephen. You know, it's a very much a collective, and, and we all collaborate extensively on everything that happens and all in, in the restaurant. You know, oh. previously when I was the corporate yeah. chef for them. It was more collaborating on the the whole of the entity. Right. Uh, now it's it's really collaborating on Pesh. So it's not th- there's no sort of one person show. It's a, it's very much a collaborative effort. Well, I want to I want to enlarge on that a little more, but uh, looks like your plus one is here, and maybe it's time to introduce her. So sure. why don't you tell us who you brought? Uh, so I brought Ashley. Uh, Ashley is uh, our she acts as our forager. Um, definition wise, she goes out and finds us stuff. You know, right. She finds us vegetables and meat and poultry and fish and and has really expanded our reach uh, in, in our region. Huh. So you're, you say forager, is that what you said? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the word we use. Yeah, yeah, Ashley, great. tell us your wh- yeah. what's your full name. Yeah, you have a last name, right? Yes, it's Locklear. <laughs> Ashley Sorry. Locklear. Yes. Lovely name. Now, 
are you do you do that just for the link restaurant rest- group oh wow okay yeah. oh so, so it's for the whole group yep oh okay for all the restaurants were you do were you foraging is that the proper i don't know yeah. were you foraging before procurement, yeah. procurement <laughs> before i mean did you apply for this or did you evolve into this position how did you um i evolved in like um I guess I got involved uh, starting out as an AmeriCorps position here in New Orleans um, okay. with a market. And then from there, that required me to work with people locally and within also in the state of Louisiana, but as well as Alabama and Mississippi to bring in product for that market. So what, what market were you working for before? Um, Holly Grove Market and Farm. Oh, great, great. Holly. Oh, yeah, we're big Wait, fans. Yeah. AmeriCorps was working with... Holly Grove. Yeah, they placed you in Holly Grove. Yes. And, okay, okay. Yep. great. Yep. What a wonderful thing. Okay, so yeah. where'd you come from? I'm originally from Florida. So that was the last place you were before you, uh, you came from with AmeriCorps? Yep. Oh, where in Florida? Um, north of Tampa, about an hour and a half in uh, Crystal River. Oh, my wife's, my, my wife's uh, mother lives in Crystal River. Oh, nice. Yeah, they were, my family's just there last week. A little tiny place. It I mean, is. Really small. Yeah, yeah. what a world. Does okay. anything grow there? That Did you have any influence? Well, there's I mean, more like plants than people there for sure, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, my dad is a fourth-generation Floridian, and so, um, and his family background is uh, seafood and fishermen and stuff like that, and then they also farmed as well. So I do have some experience there, definitely. That's yeah, big manatee, manatee country and stuff there, right? Yes. Isn't it big? Yeah. Yes, manatees. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, how did you, did, were you approached from Holly Grove or did you approach, uh, h- how did you get into this Well, with AmeriCorps, uh, you sign up for a position and I actually signed up for a New Orleans position and a Charleston position and then a position in Asheville. And then um, basically, I was kind of just like up in the air on what I wanted to do. But New Orleans position came for up, uh, up first, and they contacted me first about. But how did y'all meet? Like, how did you and yeah. Ryan yeah. meet? I think or? Ashley's underselling herself here because <laughs> she she put together a proposal and brought it to us. Like, this was while I was at Herb Saint, and she brought it to us and presented it to us on the sidewalk outside of Herb Saint. Uh, to be our forager, and, and previously we had not just kind of cold called you, just like showed up with this proposal. More or less, I mean, it's a little more complicated than that, yeah. but but more or less, it was a cold call proposal uh, that she brought to us, and we had not even really considered this position before. Um, I think Stephen, you you had contacted Stephen a little bit. And Tell then us Stephen's last name. Sorry to interrupt. Okay, thank uh, you. And so. You know, she basically brought us this proposal on the sidewalk outside of Herb Saint, which is where we drink wine and conquer the world's <laughs> problems. And she has, so she brought this to us, and and we look, we thought about it for about twenty minutes, and we're just like, well, clearly this is going to expand our reach, and this is a position that we should find if we're ever planning on growing this business. So, so is she, in ch- you're in charge then of uh, of getting all the su- all the supplies like everything or is this one aspect of i mean it's just you, you everything goes through you basically like all the produce all, and all the, the meat and products. everything okay yeah so um so before you kind so of do an ad hoc more you were like well, you had a number of suppliers it was, it was steven and i going to the farmer's markets oh. and picking up and, and grabbing stuff Sorry. and picking up and there was very little coordination like we weren't able to 
I mean, one of the things that Ashley's done for us that I think is really valuable is coordinate the growing seasons with farmers and coordinate uh, supply so that we can base menus on products coming from local farmers. And so you know what's coming, you know what's like next, right. and maybe you weren't anticipating before as well because if you weren't able to commit yourself to to studying that or whatever, or, or right? communicate yeah. properly with the right. farmers. And I mean, and this sounds very basic, but you know, you're talking about like we use a lot of produce. Like we go through a lot of lettuce, for example. Like how much lettuce do you go through at that, like say, passion? This of, is a great question yeah. for Ashley. Not just yeah. at Pesh, but at all the, or at the, um, at the five restaurants. How how much lettuce would they go through in a week? In a given week, it's planned for for about fifty to sixty pounds. But then okay. um, there's. Uh, highs and lows within a growing season so i try to work with at least three producers that all have things growing at different times like they just plant maybe three or four weeks differently from another producer so that way if there's ever any issues with a supply line like say something happens on one farm then the other farm can pick up the slack but we try to work and get that supply line you know, to the 50 or 60 pounds a week. That's so you're needed. talking about small farmers for the most part, right? Yes. I mean, like little family farmers. Or 15 mostly. acres or less. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, this is a two-part question. Mm-hmm. How did you, did you develop no this idea you. that this pitch no, with Monsanto. them in mind? And uh, you, you're distracting me with I'm that. I'm sorry. I hate I Monsanto I mean, we can so go there. We can go there. But go let me just get this question out. Okay. Do you drive a truck and you pick up the food yourself? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So you go out and to the farms and get it? <laughs> yes. Oh, cool. Okay. And um, how did you, I mean, had you had this idea and then you pitched it to them? Or did you have a general idea, y- y'all collaborated, and it's evolved over time um, well, to forage for them? Well, it came to a point where I was kind of looking to make a career change and... Um, Steven and then Ryan and then occasionally Donald would also show up at the Holly Grove Market on Saturday mornings and I had mentioned you know the fact that I was thinking about moving and I was like but they need a forager in NYC at the Spotted Pig and I was like maybe I can go up there and do what I do here and Steven was like no no (laughs) not really yeah like you've done so much work here so um, basically that kind of got the idea in my head well I'm just going to go home and write out the job scope the parameters the position all of it and then just kind of present it to them and see what happens great Um, so what does this enable you Ryan to do that you you used to have to spend your time Mm -hmm. going there does it give you a little more time with your family or does it just give you more time to work hard at Pesh I think it, it it definitely frees up time, you know, and whether that time is at home or at the restaurant, it, it gives you the option. And, you know, as as the chef of a, a new restaurant, you know, that, that minutes count <laughs> in many ways. Uh, and, and so, w- but what it frees us up to do is to rely on the fact that we're going to be able to work with the product that we want to work with. Uh, and, you know, we're all working and we, we've, spent years working with Ashley to get towards this point where the as high a percentage as possible of the stuff that comes into the restaurant, the vegetables, the proteins, the fish, the everything is all from our area. Right. And, and this is not, I mean, I, I think you have to be realistic about it. Like this is not an easy thing to do for a restaurant group 
that has Koshan Pesh and Herb Saint and Calcasieu right. and Butcher and I mean, it, I mean that's a variety of uh, places. I mean, I mean, just summarize for us, on. for example. Maybe not all our listeners know. Maybe, maybe they haven't been to all these places. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's sort of like? Can you describe each one succinctly in terms of what the menu's like? Because that's a that's a wide range of. Um, yeah, I well succinctly. Let's see the uh, so <laughs> like starting with Herb Saint. Uh, Herb yeah. Saint is a a sort of a, a bistro uh, type environment uh, based in French and Italian cuisine. Uh, Herb Saint t- tends to be considered. Uh, the slightly more higher end uh, of the restaurants, um, you know, I think without food, being stuffy, right, right, <laughs> and the food at Herb Saint tends to have a a really sort of refined uh, uh, rusticness to it uh, that I think fits the space beautifully in the concept. Uh, Koshan uh, is decidedly the Cajun Southern uh, version. Uh, they rely heavily on. Uh, pork, uh, but which is not to say that that's a sort of the one thing they do well. They do many things well, uh, but sort of in the purview of, of southern Cajun food. Uh, the idea behind Pesh is that we apply the sort of philosophies uh, of using uh, southern ingredients and southern food uh, that we uh, that created Koshan and bring it into the seafood world uh, and really focus on the foods of the Gulf Coast. Uh, and so what we try to do is not only Louisiana, but it's also the Gulf Coast. I mean, we extend our range uh, into Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida uh, because you kind of have to follow fish that way. Like, if we're really going to be serious about uh, sourcing correctly from our area, then, you know, we need a broad area because there's lots of things that you can't buy commercially in Louisiana that you can in in Mississippi and Texas and and Alabama. Uh, And so we take as our sort of uh, backyard uh, the entire Gulf. Right. Um, but you know, but you're not shipping fish in from like the Pacific Northwest, and you know, not not all. I, I won't yeah. say that we'll never do it because right. you know, as a cook, I love king salmon. You know, <laughs> and, and you know, right. as a cook, I love halibut. You know, yeah, and yeah. every once in a while, I want to eat skateling, and right. and it's not to say that we're we're 100 percent. Pulling it off a boat from right, right. some guy. So you're not purists about it, but this is sort of the the flavor of it, and the tone is set by the Gulf, yeah. basically. Yeah, and yeah. we're realist about it. You yeah. know, like I mean, I I like to eat mussels, but commercial mussel production doesn't happen on the Gulf Coast, and so yeah. I, I'm not entirely nixing mussels uh, from the menu because right. I like them. You know, or or, I mean, there's all right. So what else we have left? Uh, Koshan butcher, we didn't say. Yeah, butcher. So butcher is the kind of like you know the all in-house made meats and really focusing on the the charcuterie aspect uh, and and doing a great job producing sandwiches out of products that are entirely made in-house. Calcasieu is more of a banquet facility, so it kind of falls as a sort of mixture of all that's the upstairs above koshan right correct yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah. correct and this may be a silly question but do you uh foraging does that reference only like produce and and vegetables or do you have something to do with the meats and i do um we actually uh work with uh bill riles riles dairy out of tylertown mississippi and they produce um the pork for uh koshan and so we took about 18 months to uh to play around with breeding and um and eventually ended up with uh, a berkshire blue butt cross ah. for uh koshan restaurant so what's the furthest you drive for some of these things i mean to go pick up i mean you're going to pick um, up are you coming back with like pigs in the back of your truck 
no. Okay. So, like, but what's the furthest you're driving to? Um, on a given Tuesday or Thursday, it would probably be 250 miles round trip. Round trip. Okay. See, I drive like 250 miles a month at the most, you know? <laughs> Not even that. So, so I can't even relate. So what do you, I mean, I, I remember what it used to be like, I guess, but like, do you, like, do you listen to music in the car? Are you thinking about the conversation you're going to have when you get there? Are you like a hard nosed negotiator? <laughs> Is there like, I mean, what, like what kind of things are how you on the phone while you're there working on the next I'm, stop you're going to make on the way or something or like yeah. what, what's happening in the car? You by yourself in the car most of the yeah. time? I truck? am by myself, and um, I do occasionally have, uh, like, NPR's All Songs Considered on, because I like to catch up on the music, but... Um, books on tape? No books on tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I am thinking about all the things that I do have to pick up at the next stop, and I'm like, okay, and I'll look at the list, like, two or three times, and I'm like, don't forget to get this, because I forgot it last time, type of thing, and then, you know... Once I get there, it's a hustle to get everything in the truck and loaded. And in, especially like this time of year, it's got to be on ice. You know, it's got to look good and it's got to not fade out in the back of the truck on the way back to the restaurant. So I'm really just hustling. So you probably have some bad days. That's really exciting, though. That's really exciting to me for her to come to New Orleans, (laughs) work, you know, through AmeriCorps, work at Holly Grove and create this position and work with all these great people and oh, yeah. them have opportunity to work with you i mean that's just i mean it's, it's I mean, really it's, like I mean, yeah. romantic to it me. is it's exciting i mean to me it's like this is like exemplifying what like post katrina new orleans is about with people that come here and they fall in love with the city and have a vision <laughs> they learn something when they're here and then they say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna make something for myself i'm gonna carve out a niche something creative and that enables you to make a career of it and stay here indefinitely. And, and create a community. Yeah, and then enrich with, the whole oh yeah. and, and city. And help I mean, the city, yeah. Thousands of people are blessed because of the way that you're, you know, hooking up these little farmers that get gobbled up otherwise sometimes with, you know, some of America's greatest restaurants here that are, you know, that are just, you know, feeding us and the city and America and the world as they come here. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just, that, that can't be more gratifying when you when you stop and think about that sometimes. Yeah. Oh, we I, appreciate I, it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> good she needs that yeah. <laughs> because uh, there's got to be some bad days right where you get there and they promised you the lettuce or whatever and you get there and it's wilted or whatever's going on oh yeah it's yeah. probably it probably it's okay for some people but it's not okay for the standards of the places there's six thirty text messages in the morning right. being like this is what's available you know right. like it's gonna be a little short or right. you know like when you get back, maybe a butternut squash or a blue Hubbard squash isn't ripe, and so like you know, it's not ready yet to be used. And, and now so you've just like driven you gotta, 125 miles to find that out. Yeah. And yeah. All right. And that's like, and you feel bad for the farmer because this is a big part of their account or whatever. But yeah, you got your standards, and I mean, it's got to be a lot of that going on oh, too, yeah. right? Well, speaking of standards and squash, <laughs> it's time for a book of questions. Let's squash you know any comfort have you, you wa- had have you here to the shows? Um, So y'all have to pick a number uh, between 1 and 217. And we ask you that question out of this really highly intellectual book from the I like 80s. It. Very intense, <laughs> overwrought no. book from the 80s, yeah. All right. You, you, uh, you can go first, Ryan. 123. All right. Okay. Okay, when you do something ridiculous, how much does it bother you to have other people notice it and laugh at you? Mm, I would say very little. 
yeah. <laughs> you could care less. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a seasoned professional <laughs> at that. Uh, it's for the most cause comes to mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Whoa, what happened to Hogs for the Cause? Tell us. No, no. no tell yeah. us now. Relive it. If not, we're yeah. going to have Ashley tell it's us. It's a very special time when people experience yeah. a freedom unrelated uh, to the rest of their daily lives. Um, and it's for a great cause. It is, you know, and we try to we try to have a giant party each year uh, for hogs, you know, and we this year we did this really great dinner um, before on the Friday beforehand to help raise more money for them, and we had a bunch of friends come in town, cook to this giant dinner, and as the the sort of centerpiece after the dinner. Um, we set up an ice luge with jello shots. And <laughs> <Wow>. so <laughs> we served jello shots for the with the dessert to try to get the crowd amped up. We had a good friend of ours who owns a barbecue restaurant in Nashville and goes by the name Peg Leg Porker. Peg Leg Porker is his name? Is in fact Is it one of his wait, two legs? Wait, or is that, just, his, is is that it his a reference to a third name? leg? That's his uh his third leg. There she goes, going blue. I was wondering what's gonna happen, Margo. He he got, has he he has a peg leg. Okay. And he owns in real life, like, like a pirate peg leg, like a wooden uh, one, or does he have no, like he has a, a modern sophisticated peg leg? Oh, okay. okay. Fiberglass, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah okay. Built for speed. Okay. Uh, but the guy's hilarious, and he's our sort of MC DJ for this thing. And nice. You know, he runs the ice luge, and so we we got on stage to like promote this whole ice luge, and you know we're dancing and we're singing songs, and then we're realizing that that everyone's leaving. <laughs> like they, they have no interest in our. They don't want your jello shots. Not any. Or your shenanigans what? up on stage. They don't want to have anything stage. to do with our shenanigans. Was there something more interesting Except going on? Next? Like I, I can't imagine what it would be. <laughs> what would it could be? I don't know. <laughs> I've never even been on an ice luge once in my life. Not once. No, never. I'm going well, next come year. Come see us next yeah, year. Yeah, I will. <laughs> Unless the story ends horribly, it means no. Not it doesn't nice end luge. horribly. Okay. Like it ends, and so we we like we go back to the tent. We do our thing. The next day, we wake up. We realize that we have a you second ice luge. Yeah, we, of course. You sleep out there that night. You, you do um, the cooking all night. Overnight, night. yeah. It's an overnight Sweet. thing. Uh, and so we realize we have actually another ice luge in the truck. So we bring out our second <laughs> ice luge for that afternoon. Uh, go through the whole process again. All the time? We had it in a refrigerated truck. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, we're smart. How big is the ice <laughs> luge? Uh, oh, God. I don't know. They're like, like as big as this table. pound blocks of yeah. ice, maybe? Wow. They're huge. And, and you take a, a, a sort of. Uh, rotary drill and gouge out the you know the luge part of it uh, and then what's most important is that you have someone on top of it pouring the <laughs> liquor down the ice luge uh, in whatever sort of quantity and fashion they so choose and that's a coveted must in. be a no, coveted wait, wait. position so how do you catch the liquor at the end you put you just put your mouth there at the that's end correct of, oh that's great okay yeah. mouth right on the ice all right not sanitary yeah i was just but say, that's not important i guess <laughs> you know i guess more no because the ice will you know rest one well, and the, the liquor, liquor. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 liquor totally is clear Come on. margo's got one of these in her living room i think yeah yeah i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> most people who enjoy life should <laughs> should <laughs> wow okay so so you got that? Nobody's no no takers. It's just spilling on the ground. Well, no. When we got it back out the next day, there were plenty of takers. Oh, good, so okay. we had this sort of like great thing going for a while, and and then it got old. And there was this group of children that's in our tent, you know, kids of of us and all of our friends. And you know, finally, I was just like, kids, smash it. And so turning the kids loose on this ice luge was just hilarious. So they. You mean you're. 
people you work with are real kids. They're actual kids. Kids, like, like little children. kids. Like strange Fun. kids? Like or no, kids? No, no, friends' kids. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Friends of like, children. Yeah, you, see, you know, like, these, like children. And yeah. so <laughs> you turn them loose on it, and they smash it, and they're smashing Xbox, and this cop comes up on a, on a, a golf cart. Oh, come uh, on. You can't be like, smashing ice like, out he here. He looks at us for a few minutes, and he's like, you, you, you can't do that <laughs> on the sidewalk. Oh, and I was shut like, up. I, okay, I, I, how am I going <laughs> to stop? Like, I got a whole group of kids smashing the ice loose. You like, stop them. You can't, yeah, you yeah. can't stop kids. They're you have to roll. shoot them. Yeah, they're all, like, soaking wet. They're, you know, there's no way to stop these kids yeah. now. And so eventually he just Who'd shakes his to? head and laughs. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. It's so the current administration <laughs> at Surplus. It came from the so top. So you didn't, that didn't break you to be the ridiculousness of the whole scenario that was the uh, no i think that's just part of it you know i think it's important to live outside yourself every once in a while okay. i do it a lot Great. less now that you know i'm 37 and had my own kids <laughs> but, <laughs> but. now by the way you had you had a kid born like a week ago right i did yes a week we ago just had another yeah. One. yeah so you have i have two. two i have two i have a two-year-old and a week and a half year old Wow, oh, wow, and you're here with us. Yes. On yes. on your valuable free time, very well, generous. Really your wife must be amazing. Flattered, she yeah. is awesome. Yes, she's a wonderful person. Wow. Okay, I I did read something about your wife, let, but let me get to your question, and oh, then yeah. I will get back yeah, to your wife, good. interrogate you, because she must be lovely. Okay, what's your favorite number? Um, seven. Seven. You want to read this one, Ray? Holy. Seven's a holy number. Do you think that the world would be a better or worse place 100 years from now? We had that one before. I remember that. Is the world going to be a better or worse place 100 years from now? I'm going to have to say better. All right. And why? <laughs> of course. Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I can't let you Forging. just be positive. Forging is going to make it a better place. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's just uh, so much, I guess, innovation going on. People have so many big ideas technology is also helping to facilitate those ideas so i just i see great things happening and starting to come together ah. nice all right. All right, i have a, f- a follow-up question mm-hmm. what's a piece of paper on your lap what are <laughs> those are my notes <laughs> those are your notes you don't need notes <laughs> <I know. laughs> oh. all right just wondering didn't Let's know if that was like a of ashley's organizational yeah, yeah. <laughs> mastery yeah <laughs> wow this is a tight. I wouldn't have guessed this, Ryan, because you you seem so laid back and you're so relaxed. Every time I run into you, you just have that look of like contentment in your eyes and like you know. And uh, to think of how well, what a well-oiled machine apparently you guys run. It's really. Uh, there's a lot of people involved. Yeah. I think there's a lot of great. Like we we've got this great melding of personalities going on, you know. But from Ashley to me to Stephen to Donald to the myriad other people that exist in the organization, and I mean it, it's really. It's, it, you know, I, I hate to use an old cliche, but I mean, it becomes like a very sort of familial type of vibe. I mean, right. you, you end up working with people and knowing who you can really trust. And when you develop those relationships, everything tends to run a lot smoother. Huh. Yeah, I guess. Well, so you have a common vision and then a lot of different yes. personalities and gifts come, can all work together yes. as long as you guys got the same vision. huh? Yes, that's a good way to put now, it. Now, do you have a vision for a sixth place or something? What's next for... Uh can you say? Uh, you there's always about ideas, it? you know, but we're so new at Pesh. Like, I right, hate, to, right. hate to even go down that road. Well, okay. Of course, well, you've always got to think well, of Well, how about not thing. even for you? How about just for other people? Like, give some other people some ideas. Like, what is missing <laughs> in New Orleans food? 
culture? Oh, man. What are some gaps you need filling? I got my own list, but I'd love to hear yours. So, yeah, or if you weren't here tonight and you mm. could have a choose a food option that's not Yo. here, what is it that you're missing? You know, yeah. I don't Do you know. Go, I mean, damn, there was only a Mongolian place in town, or you know, whatever. Like, what's what's Chinese food? Chinese, mm. yes, I totally. <laughs> well, not to disrespect some of the good Chinese yeah, places there, like that, but yeah, there's some. But there's in some general, nobody's going to say that New Orleans is a mecca of Chinese. It would be great mastery, to have some right? good Chinese food. Yeah. It would be great to have some really good, like really good diversity of Korean food. I mean, but you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know that that's even right that we should. I mean, the reason that cities like San Francisco and New York have yeah good Chinese and Korean food is because they have populations right. of Chinese and Korean people. Right. And, and we, we don't have huge populations And we got great Vietnamese those. food and because right. we got a, a good Vietnamese community. So yep. we, have, we have a Vietnamese community, we have Vietnamese food. So it's perfectly logical. So maybe that's just the way it should be. Well, what, what, what are good Chinese places here that you like? Is there a Chinese place that you do go to when you crave it? <sighs> Man, I go there. Oh, Royal China. Huh. Um, the uh, occasionally we go over to like the Hong Kong market to the dim sum place next on, door on the in the mornings. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You know we go there just because like we. I mean when we were in San Francisco, like we ate a lot of Chinese food and had you know going to the dim sum places out there was just so much fun. Like Tom King out in the avenues is a great place, and you know Yank Sing uh, was another great place out in, in California, but you know. You guys support the people you can. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, maybe the, there used to be strong, more communities and influence in New Orleans. We were a port city. And mm-hmm. maybe uh, in 100 years or maybe, you know, people will – there will be more of a community mm-hmm. uh, efforts and, and – and if there Chinese is, then, then the answer to that, well. number seven is definitely right. The world's a in the place. 70s, yeah. there was some Chinese really? places. Yeah. Huh. Like there was, well, you don't make it out to Metairie, Metairie, because no, on foot. You, you, <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know but where that open mall is that she's talking about. There were some families that had no Chinese restaurants yeah. that um, were okay. well established. And, you know, and the kids aren't in the business anymore All right. uh, to carry it on. But. Yeah, but yeah, there's nothing like going to a Chinatown in a city. Yeah, and it's great. I think you can always want for what's not there, but you know, it's 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 easier and maybe more fulfilling to just enjoy what you have here. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many people opening up so many innovative restaurants right now, yep. like Noodle and Pie, Pie. and right. all these people are really like yeah, following went there last these, week. Yeah, these very sort of like different pathways yep. you know and lucky rooster and, and yeah. like the, all food. these other places are doing they're Which, doing the food. Chinese. oh i have not been in the bywater mm-hmm. booties mm-hmm. yeah okay, there's that booties looks cool too. Yeah. I mean, there's there's people doing things that are decidedly different and, and that's great you know that's what will keep the scene vibrant and you know keep you know giving people new places to go and they mm. f- seem authentic and um and do you do y'all feel that new orleans is like a chef-driven, uh, in business owner city. Like, is that common in a lot of places for a chef to be a part owner in other cities, or is that uh, you think it's more accessible here? It's probably more accessible here because the cost of entry is less so than in places like maybe San Francisco, mm. Chicago, and New York, Definitely. where you really have to have investment groups. I mean, you can't open up, like, a restaurant the size of Pesh, you know, Pesh is 4,800 square feet total. And to open up a place like that in San Francisco or New York, 
would require millions and millions, millions and millions of dollars um, to begin with. You know, and so, so Chef's more a hired gun. He's not one of the investors in it usually. You know, yeah. at best he's a he's a high paid or maybe a sweat equity owner, um, uh-huh. or you know, or maybe he is a, a, a maybe he put his money into it as well. But I mean, when you're talking about the money that it costs to open up a restaurant like that in a big city, uh, you know, that's just that's money that investment banks have. Uh-huh. That's money that big investors have. You know, or, or, right. high, or very wealthy people have. You know, it's. Yeah. It's different here. I mean, there's this, which is not to say that opening up a restaurant is like Pesh is cheap. I mean, it costs a whole lot of money, and there's a whole lot of finagling that has to happen to do it. Um, But you're able to do it in New Orleans. You're able to produce something that you can be really proud of um, on a budget that's considerably less than what it would be in other major cities. Well, Ryan, that really that makes me think something too. I didn't mean to interrupt, but um, you know, I, I don't know. In other cities, you know, if you just go by reviews urban spoon or yelp or whatever your friend's recommendation you're almost afraid if you don't know the restaurant really well to bring a friend because you don't know how people are going to be treated mm-hmm. and the thing about new orleans that i like is places like we're talking about herb sane and, and koshan and pesh you know these are the, the highest end sort of places in the city or among them and yet you know you know you, you know it's a very down-to-earth place mm-hmm. there'll be people that are very dressy but people that are very casual that'll be there too you know there's no pretension yes. you know it's very accessible you know, uh, I mean, there can be jerks everywhere or whatever, but sure. in general, you know, and so you can just sort of have a casual introduction, a place like that, and you just know, well, it's New Orleans, I can go there, and I'm not going to be treated like a jerk. Right. And I remember th- feeling that way about Herb Saint. I didn't really, you know, I came from New York, and, you know, everything's a little more intense there or whatever. Sure. And I get down here, and Herb Saint was one of the first high-end places I went to for lunch, and I had a great experience. I didn't meet you that day, but mm-hmm. I did uh, see Steve Watson who I had met right before that. Yeah. He's been a guest on our show. I saw him in a state of, uh, of bliss uh, that day. <laughs> <laughs> it was lunchtime. Yeah. And you know, you know what story I'm getting at? I think these guys come back once a year to Herb Saint. Yeah. Can you illustrate room. this for me? I'll just tell you what yeah. my, my little snapshot I saw. I see him come out in a pair of, he's always like in jeans and like he's got ratty, you know, he's got a lot of facial hair or whatever. And, you know, and, and, and he came out in these pair of golf pants that were like a little over the top. They were gold and black and they were like checkered argyle. Yeah. And he had a golf sweater on and he was about to read a song or sing a poem. And you all appreciated his uh, being there. You didn't, yeah. He wasn't like being rolled out of the. Well, no, no. There's a whole group of these guys, right? So tell yeah. us what that's all about. Uh, that is the sort of. Um, biggest saints fans in the world luncheon that tends to go on for like four or five hours <laughs> they rent out the place like your back room or something or they do it like once a year don't well, they or they just come they, in and invade they invade yeah. more than anything they don't tell you when they're it's coming an, ahead of no time. They, we know they're coming oh, okay. and, and we know what to expect and it, it's a lot of wine purveyors and people that are in the business and so that the table ends up being just this sort of mountain of empty wine bottles and you know, the poems get emotional towards the end. And <laughs> it just gets ridiculous. The quality like, goes down and the emotion goes up. Oh, yeah, right. man. And I have to yeah. say from a personal standpoint, I have watched that table degenerate until it's 4.30. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm grabbing the people I know. And I'm like, I love you guys. But you, but got, you got to go. <laughs> like, Take it to a bar. Ashley, yeah. have yeah. you yeah. ever witnessed that? We got, we got dinner to do. You, you guys have got so. to go. No. Yeah, you'd know if you saw it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> well, a sight. I have one more question. Anyway, well, you know, just from my side, if it makes you nervous about it, Uh it's one of the reasons why I fell in love with that restaurant. I go back a lot because that was my first impression. I went there, I was like, and I was expecting, I looked at a pretty complex menu and had a lot of, a couple words I wasn't familiar with yet. Mm. 
And then I see these guys roll out, you know, just being silly. I go, this is this is my kind of place. Yes. I love this. Great food mixed with, like, really kind of fun, bizarre atmosphere. And it was just great. And in a way, that's sort of the essence of, like, New Orleans dining. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think that you try to capture everything, every piece yeah. of it in every way. And that's what makes it so much fun. All right. I interrupted you. What were you saying? Um, well, it seems silly after this, and we're getting to the end of the show. Oh, no, but already? Okay, well, one more question for Ashley. Uh-huh. When you're on the road, uh-huh. what do you do for, uh, do you stop, do you have spots along your route that you love to eat at? Yeah, there's Are one you? place that I go to on Thursdays. It's um, Berrytown Produce. Berrytown? Yeah. Where is that? It's in Hammond on uh, Church Street. They have a really delicious fried chicken lunch special for six bucks. You get uh, green beans and eggplant casserole for six dollars, and two pieces of fried chicken, and it's gone in five minutes. Yum! <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to make a trip to Hammond. Yeah. Thursday. That's the. Th- yep. Because they have different lunch specials each Never day. Been yeah. <laughs> I've never been any place outside of Orleans <laughs> Parish. <laughs> Since I got down here. Okay, well, you know, we're running out of time, unfortunately, as you alluded to. I can't believe it. That went by so quick. Thank you so much. Yeah. It was such a pleasure to have you both. That was great. To really, hear. really, really great. Anytime you want to come back, we'd love to have you. Can our we sp- have them say a little bit? Uh, I was about to. Ask. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, I got it. Uh, our special guest tonight. Sorry, I'm midnight. not psychic. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> Go ahead. Look, I'm a professional, Margo. <laughs> 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 Well, um, I'm sorry for you because I'm not. So. <laughs> yeah, we're about, we're about the same here. All right, our special guest tonight on Midnight Menu Plus One was Ryan Pruitt of Pesh. And his plus one was Ashley Locklear, uh, his forager, procurer, and uh, much more. We're going to find out more. If you can follow, want to find out more about Pesh or any of the other restaurants in the group, go to our website. And why don't you give us a little plug right now. What were the hours of Pesh and what's the website address? Uh, so Pesh, we're open uh, Monday through Saturday, lunch and dinner from 11 to 10 during the week and 11 to 11 on the weekends. Uh, Pesh Nola is where we uh, the Twitter handle is. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Come right. And yes. that's Pesh, P-E-C-H-E, that's it. NOLA. That's right. Okay, great. All right. Well, there'll be more about that on our website, and you can find links to it on itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live here at Ted's Frost Hop on Claiborne and Calhoun in uptown New Orleans. Ted's is open seven days a week, serving first-class burgers, beer, and their awesome homemade root beer in a frosty mug. Midnight Menu Plus One is produced by Grant Morris, and Chris Keogh is our technical director. And the fabulous audio quality of the show is brought to you by PreSonus Audio Electronics, who makes all kinds of really great stuff. You can get in touch with us here at Midnight Menu Plus One by going to our website, itsneworleans.com. And from there, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. Sign up for our mailing list, buy T-shirts and sunglasses and all kinds of swag. It's great. And while you're at itsneworleans.com, you can listen to our other episodes of Midnight Menu Plus One as well as our other shows. Happy Hour, Mindset, Vietnola, True to the Game, Out to Lunch. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, we thank you for subscribing. Maybe you could take a minute to rate and review us, and that helps other people find us. Midnight Menu Plus One is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. Till we meet again here at Ted's Frost Top, I'm Ray Canada. And I'm Margot Moss. Sorry, I was lulled <laughs> by the... Uh... By, by my monotone <laughs> delivery of our long... Uh, exit script. I See was you just back. I need a shot. You do need a shot. <laughs> See you back at. Well, it's fortunately it's midnight, so we can do that. Midnight menu plus one. Good night.
You know Labor Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.